Hey, ultrasound listeners. Would you like a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card? Fill out a feedback survey. More info at the end of this episode. Hello and welcome to Ultrasounds, a podcast by Obigon Delivered. I'm Jordan. And I'm Brittany. Today we have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Ashraf to Ultrasounds to talk about perinatal psychiatry. Dr. Ashraf is a board-certified reproductive psychiatrist and faculty clinical instructor in psychiatry. She completed her undergrad at the University of Michigan, medical school at Central Michigan University, her psychiatry residency at Central Michigan University, and her perinatal and women's mental health fellowship at Northwestern Medicine. She joined the University of Michigan in January. She specializes in mood disorders along the reproductive spectrum and is passionate about policy reform as it pertains to maternal mental health access and resources. Thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Asheroff. So, Dr. Asheroff. One thing we do on ultrasounds is ask our guests what their favorite podcast is. Do you have a favorite? Yes. Case 63. It's a Gimlet production podcast. I don't want to give it away, but it's about a psychiatrist and her patient, and I highly recommend it. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. I haven't heard of that one. As we mentioned, today we will be talking about mental health in the postpartum period. This is an incredibly important topic, as about one in seven women will experience postpartum depression, and only a small minority of those women will be treated for their depression. So there's a big gap in treatment for mental health concerns during the postpartum period. Jordan, why don't you start us off with our first vignette? Yeah, definitely. So for our first vignette, we have a 23-year-old G1P1 who comes into clinic for her six-week postpartum visit. You ask her how she's doing, and she becomes tearful. She tells you that things have been very challenging since she delivered. She has had trouble breastfeeding, and she is having conflict with her partner. She feels overwhelmed, fatigued, and guilty about having challenges with breastfeeding. She hasn't talked to her family or friends much since delivery, and she reports that she has little interest in doing so. How would you approach this patient? I would want to let her know that she's not alone in feeling this, that this is a a common thing that people go through during the postpartum period. I'd really want to, um, in doing that, want to make sure that I'm validating those feelings, um, especially the challenges with breastfeeding is another common thing that um, a lot of people struggle with. Um, And it's not as easy as it is um, maybe shown on like media and not talked about as much. I also think it is important to really um, discuss with her uh, like my concern for that this could be. um, She could be having symptoms of postpartum depression. Since this has been um, going on, it looks like she's withdrawing from friends. I mean, those feelings of like being overwhelmed and having fatigue. Um, And then talking about how there is different treatments that can help with postpartum depression, um, starting from therapy and also having medication options like SSRIs. So I definitely want to talk through those options as well. 
Um, I think an important thing to distinguish, though, if we can ask you, Dr. Ashraf, is how do you differentiate postpartum depression and baby blues? Yeah, thank you, Brittany. So I want to start off by um, looking at the time frame of those symptoms. Um, baby blues, um, well, in general, in terms of mood symptoms, about 75% of women experience mood symptoms in the postpartum time frame. Um, that is more aligned with baby blues. And baby blues are going to be occurring like two to three days after delivery and can extend up to two weeks um, after delivery. And so you're really trying to look at what those mood symptoms might be. It's notorious for more mild symptoms. Um, whereas when you're looking at postpartum depression, the intensity of those symptoms are more severe. Um, this is an extension of symptoms beyond that initial two weeks time frame. Apart from that, then you're looking at more severe um, existence of symptoms. So whereas baby blues is more mild, postpartum depression can be clued into more moderate or severe symptoms, even the occurrence of suicidality. Um, so yeah, all in all, you're looking at the intensity as well as a time frame of symptoms and differentiating between baby blues and postpartum depression. The other thing with postpartum depression is the impact on the entire family unit. So, you know, a woman might experience an impact on social and occupational functioning, a disruption to the mother-infant bond, um, you know, and the guilt or um, distress that is a result of this, um, as well as kind of increased partner conflicts, perhaps. Great. Thank you for making that distinction for us. Another uh, question we have for you is how is postpartum depression similar and in ways different from major depressive disorder? Yeah. So, you know, I oftentimes go through with this with patients, like the body doesn't know what's MDD or what's postpartum depression or what's hypertension. Like the body just doesn't recognize the ways in which we categorize illnesses. Um, so, the DSM-5, which is the kind of diagnostic manual that psychiatrists use for diagnosing like any psychiatric illnesses, including MDD, we actually don't, sadly, we don't have a diagnosis in the DSM-5 that's actually postpartum depression. And hopefully that will be instated in the DSM-5 in the years to come with increasing awareness. So currently we do have a diagnosis that's major depressive disorder with onset in the peripartum timeframe. Um, so in terms of what the woman actually experiences, I, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to differentiate. And this is where discussion is going to come into play. Is this someone who has a history of MDD, um, previously, or is this specific to symptoms in the postpartum on uh, time frame? And, and you can kind of, you know, go based off of that because depression symptoms altogether, you know, they're going to be experienced in similar ways. And then, like I said, just going back for myself in time frame. So whereas a woman who may have MDD in different periods of her life um, and also has postpartum depression, that's kind of both things on the radar, whereas someone who's never experienced any depression and now has mood symptoms, you know, baby blues, as well as postpartum depression, that's where you're able to say, okay, this is just postpartum depression, perhaps. Yeah, 
And I think going off of that is having um, major depressive disorder or other things, risk factors for developing postpartum depression. Um, I know when I think about this patient, she's like younger in age. And um, so I'm just wondering if there's a way to kind of predict what type of individuals might experience this. Yeah. So risk factors, um, I like to start off with kind of the genetic loading. So is there a family history um, for that woman of family members um, having depression, postpartum depression? Is this woman, does she have a personal history of any sort of mood disorders? Um, and then, you know, over the course of her life, is she someone who has had tobacco use? That's a risk factors. Um, chronic stress, um, as a result of SES, psychosocial stressors, childhood trauma is very common. Is this an unintended pregnancy itself? Um, and then you're looking at risk factors during the course of the pregnancy, right? So is this a pregnancy that is influenced by risks of gestational diabetes, preeclampsia? Is this um, a pregnancy course that's impacted by um you know, any sort of illness that the mom is afraid the, you know, the baby will have? Is there some sort of underlying birth defect that's being looked out for a cardiac defect that's already being tracked? Um, and then in the postpartum timeframe, the, the risk factors could be, you know, did this pregnancy lead to fetal or newborn loss? Was the baby um, admitted to the NICU? Um, are there low social supports in this, you know, for this woman who's now returning home as a new or continuing mother? Um, are there worries like baby is born preterm? Um, how was the birth experience itself? Was it traumatic for the woman? Um, and then, you know, as that journey continues, are there breastfeeding challenges, you know, um, or sleep challenges and what have you? So, so those are some of the kind of risk factors along the trajectory of pre, during, and post um, delivery. Thank you for walking us through that. That's a lot of things to consider when um, thinking about what might be going on with the patient in the postpartum period. It's definitely multifactorial. Besides talking with the patient through all of these potential factors, are there any screening tools that can be used to detect postpartum depression? So a lot of healthcare providers are very familiar with PHQ-9. That is a good go-to. Um, I will say that sometimes the um, just kind of uh, looking at the PHQ-9, the symptoms can be misinterpreted. So specifically, um, a woman may score higher in issues with sleep, appetite, uh, weight changes, which could be confused or overlooked um, when in re as like pregnancy adjustments, um, I kind you know commonly hear that. Um, whereas uh, they might actually be indicators of neurovegetative symptoms of depression. So PHQ nine is all encompassing of depression symptoms, but in the postpartum or pregnancy timeframe, these symptoms uh, you know it, it may not track well with the specific symptoms that uh, uh, we're looking for as providers. Um, so I usually recommend as a perinatal psychiatrist, the Edinburgh Postnatal Depression Scale or the EPDS. Um, the beauty of the scale is that it's been translated into 50 different languages, um, which makes it very suitable for women coming from different racial and ethnic um, groups. 
Um, and then when you look at the screen, you will notice that it is helping you understand the mental state of that woman you are speaking with. And, um, you know, there are some kind of indications of physical symptoms, but it's putting you cognitively in, into what that woman might be going through. Um, and then just in general, you know, screens do have to be followed up by targeted clinical evaluation. So, you know, it's, it's important to now that you've screened with either one of these tools, making sure that either the provider um, themselves or refer um, referrals over to therapy, psychiatry, perinatal psychiatry, whatever that community offers, um, because it's, it's not, you know, obviously, I'm sure you already know, Brittany and Jordan, it's not enough just to screen if we don't have the resources to connect, um, you know, our patients with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess when using the EDPS, is there a certain threshold on there that is um, indicative of postpartum depression or leads patients just to remind our listeners of? Yeah. So a score of like 10 or 12 on the screen itself can get, you know, help you bring to your radar that this is a woman who may be struggling with some elements of postpartum anxiety or postpartum depression. And then it's beneficial to look at exactly what those symptom domains are and track them over time. Um, so I do think it's important to, you know, complete these screens and, and see the trend over time, just like we do with labs or vitals. Yeah. Thank you for reminding us on how the scoring of the EDPS can help us make clinical judgments. This is going to wrap up this episode of Perinatal Psychiatry. Tune in in two weeks to hear more from Dr. Ashraf, including information on perinatal anxiety and psychosis and the risks and benefits of SSRIs in the perinatal period. Subscribe to Ultrasounds wherever you get your podcast for more high-yield topic reviews and recent news. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at OBGYN underscore delivered or find more topic review outlines and free question banks at our website, www.obgyndelivered.com. And always remember, we put in the labor so you can deliver. listeners, thanks for listening to this episode of Ultrasounds. Would you like a chance to win a $50 Amazon gift card? Fill out our feedback survey linked in the description of this podcast. Make sure to complete all the questions in order to be eligible for the raffle. Participation in this survey is voluntary and responses will be used to better Ultrasounds for audience members like you. The survey takes less than five minutes to complete and we'll invite you to enter into a raffle for a $50 gift card upon your submission. OBGYN Delivered appreciates your feedback.